Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fowles. Today, I am talking with Lily Kavanaugh from the Ohio Latino Affairs, Lourdes Barroso from the Latina Mentoring Academy, Natasha Pongonis, co-owner of Nativa, and Barb Smoot, CEO of Weld. We are talking today about an upcoming event focused on bringing awareness regarding equitable pay for Latina women. To give a bit of background on this discussion, Latinas face a double pay gap, an ethnic pay gap, and a gender pay gap. This means that Latinas would have to be in the workforce for 57 years to earn what a non-Hispanic white man would earn after 30 years in the workforce. This year, Thursday, October 29th, marks Latinas Equal Pay Day, the symbolic day when Hispanic and Latina women's earnings catch up to non-Hispanic white men's earnings from the previous years. Bienvenidas a este episodio. Muchas gracias. Un placer estar contigo. Some might argue that the discrepancies on pay gap among Latinas is because Latinas are far more likely to be found in certain low-wage professions than white women or men. Yet even among these sectors, women, and in particular Latina women, are getting paid significantly less than men or other ethnic groups. Can you comment on this? I'll start off, and, and thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you today on this so important topic. And I think this is a really great question to begin our conversation with, because uh, the way how the facts are presented sometimes are a bit too simplistic, and they don't really take into account all the different uh, variables that are affecting not only our lives as professionals, but the quality of our lives. And, and yes, indeed, we do face an ethnic gap and a gender gap. Uh, but there, there are some very significant issues that we cannot control. Uh, for example, here in Ohio, we need to understand, you know, what is the population uh, when we speak of Latinos and what is the reality of their lives? The Hispanic population in Ohio is very young. Our average age is 26 years old. Uh, many of our women are still first in uh, many of them are second generation, but many are still first generation. So we are not as established as other groups may be. Um, at this uh, time in history, and that has a huge impact in many areas. Um, our opportunities to uh, access educational opportunities, um, maybe the years that we as women may have of experience for a particular profession, our lack of exposure to support systems that are so crucial to increase opportunities. Uh, we lack mentors and also we need to consider the, the location where we may happen to live. O Ohio is has very concentrated metropolitan areas. And if you don't happen to be in one of those big metro areas, your chances of um, accessing better opportunities are quite limited. And then, of course, something that we cannot forget to speak about is the, the tremendous impact that the COVID pandemic has had not only on our work situation, but on family dynamics and the way how we carry on with life. I was going to say, I think the other thing is that um, part of your question, uh, Elena, was around um, why Latinas are getting paid less, right? And, and um, more than other ethnic groups. I think, first of all, we have to talk about um, this is a this is part of an entire system, right? Women, and it does not matter white women, black women, Asian women, Latinas, we are all getting paid less, right? That is part of a larger system that is working against us. Uh, if you look at leanin.org, and I encourage folks to check out their website, starting from the age of 16, Latinas are already getting paid less than anyone else. So it's not about front lines, it's not just about education, because we know, we also know that Latinas ask. Latinas ask for promotions three times more than white men do, a study shows, right? We, we see that the Latina pay gap actually increases the higher up in education that you go. So it's a falsity to say that just because Latinas 
while we hold it down on the front lines and in essential working uh, positions. And, you know, if you look at the farm workers movement, if you look at um, where unions started, and if you go all the way back to Dolores Huerta and Cesar Chavez and what they were fighting for, for our communities, um, this pay gap has existed and it's just getting bigger. So really, when we talk about this, we're talking about systemic change. And as you go through these different ethnic groups, to Lily's point, there's obviously specific things that that we're faced with that may be a little bit different. But it does it still holds true that no matter the education that we get, no matter the industry that we're in, the fact that we are women and the fact that we are brown is holding us back. And so the question is really, what is that systemic change that we need to look at? that we need to change across the board for all women, um, not just Latinas. Yeah, and I think to the point that I also wanted to make is, you know, I have, over time, I've been invited to speak in the topics uh, in the past, and I think I have observed a pattern. When I have watched other women being interviewed on this subject, many of them have shared that because the culture that we have grown up with, being Hispanic, being Latinas, many of them first generation in the United States, some of them being just immigrants to the United States. The fact that they have a job today, many of them feel grateful for the opportunity. And sometimes they feel that they don't have the right to speak up and they feel that if they work hard enough, if they being able to show to the superiors that they can be trusted, that they have the knowledge, the experience that they need, eventually they will be compensated equally. But that's not true. We have seen over time that it doesn't matter how hard they work, that gap still exists. And when we look at the gap between the Latina, which is only gets paid 54 cents to the dollar compared to some other wh white women, so even black women that were able to fight harder and get not quite a dollar as the men's, but they have been able to show that gap. So I think what we need to do is for all of us that we have already walked through that path, what can we do to empower the next generation? When we look at the Gen Z, when we look at the millennials, the composition in that group is highly multicultural, it's highly diverse. And especially when we look at the Gen Z, it's already minority majority. So it's also our duty to make sure that we are able to empower those next generations and making sure that they actually do have a voice, that when they go and they ask for a raise, their voice is being heard and really talk to the number and talk with the facts. So I think having these opportunities, having all these different um, forums and conference is going to really empower. And I think what we need to start is moving away, perhaps from conversations and moving to actions. And that's what we're trying to achieve with this forum this year. So one of the things that I'd like to share is, is ground this discussion in data. Um, it is a mistake in fact, a mistake in truth to say that because, quote, Latinas work at, quote, lower levels, that's why they make uh, less money and not paid as fairly. If you look at data produced by Salud America, um, administrative in the administrative assistant role, right, uh, the pay gap between Latinas and white men is 13%. If you move to computer science and engineering, the pay gap grows to 28%. If you move to management, the gap grows to 42%. If you move to lawyers and legal jobs, the gap grows to 64%. When you go to sales, it grows to 65%. So it is, it is a mistake in fact to say it's because they're working at lower levels. It doesn't matter at what level you're looking at. And in fact, the higher up you go in terms of skills that's required, that gap grows beyond that 54 cents on the dollar. It goes beyond that. Right. So it's more than education. It's actually, I mean, what you're saying is that uh, the more education Latinas have, the less they're getting paid. Right. And that's very, very problematic. Uh, so recently, Joyce Chen, a professor here at The Ohio State University, did a study based on her own experience of, of pay inequity in her college. She found that female professors at The Ohio State University earned 11 percent less than male professors. Based on the mean salary in 2016, this translates into a loss of just under $18,000 for female faculty relative to their male peers. 
Indeed, understanding and dealing with pay gaps are both a personal and professional issue for us. It affects our ability to care for our families, but also to know that we are as valuable as our peers. Can you share any insights about the work of pushing for change? Yeah, so it's very interesting. You know, Dr. Um, Joyce Chen and I, we actually talk about this subject. She's a dear friend of mine, and I admire her work. I think the the insight that she was able to produce in that report is, is just extremely stunning. But at the same time, I think, you know, when amongst us females, perhaps we're not, we weren't that surprised, right? It's like, mm-hmm. what can we do to make that change happen? And I think part of the difference is when we're talking about some of the public institutions, because they're public, you can share that data and that data is available. So I think perhaps we can start there, right? We can start with demanding some changes within public institutions, being able to share those numbers, right? They can do some audits at the end of the year and really share those numbers when it goes through the hiring process and actually show how much is the the new uh, hiring process, is it being equal? Are they hiring individuals qualified for the job regardless of the ethnicity and the gender, but actually being more transparent, right, in the in the gap or no gap in the pay and really comes to really disclosing some of those numbers and putting just the, the gender, the ethnicity aligned with the job title in the, in the years of experience. And having that transparency is going to really push organizations to fight for more of an equality um, gap. But also I think what we're seeing is the the bias training is very critical mm-hmm. process in all every organization, but also cultural t- training. If you don't have the understanding of being unbiased in the hiring process or also in the promotion process, but at the same time, you need to have the understanding in how relevant cultural is in that process. I think that's when we can start seeing some of the changes. Mm. I think also um, there are, you know, with all the recent changes, speaking about racial equity and, and health equity, um, this conversation has pretty much come out on the surface and people are realizing that there are a lot of uh, mishappenings and that change is really important and required. And I think a positive result of all this is even through the state of Ohio, as I work with state government, uh, with the uh, governor of Ohio making the challenge to all cabinet agencies and everyone working in the state to pursue an agenda that is going to move forward to that um, racial equity within the workplace. So I have to say that that is something really important. And the other thing that, you know, just from the data that has been shared a few minutes ago, is clear that there's so much work to be done to improve the standard of living for Latinas and their families. But I also think it's really important to continue to demand that we strengthen workplace protections, um, like equal pay for work provisions, so that those women who do have the same level of education for the same occupation have the right to be equally qualified and receive the same kind of pay than other individuals. And I think in in a great way, um, us being able to come together this year to speak about Latina equal pay is bringing that level of awareness that is so necessary and providing also empowerment tools to our uh, community members. And in fact, as part of the Latina Equal Pay Day, we are asking uh, everyone who participates to build out their own personal plan. What are they committing to do to make sure that we can move forward with action steps instead of simply setting, um, you know, establishing information and providing facts? Also on the policy end, and I think this goes back to the point that I was making earlier about creating systemic change, there's policies in place that um, every state can look at, right? Even um, local municipalities, depending upon what their what their structures look like. That's laws that prohibit employers from enforcing pay secrecy, laws that ban employers from asking potential hires about what their past earnings were so that they can base their current salaries or what they offer you based on what you made before. And not all states have that as a policy. Um, Laws that require employers to report on the gender pay gap because that keeps people honest, right? It is not just that we are going to trust that every employer now, because we're talking about equity, is going to lean into their equity work when it comes to their pockets, because we know Mm -hmm. that many of them worry about the bottom line, and they're not so focused on their people. And so there are some policy policies that we can put in place, because I think there's a couple things. First of all, I think that we can all do our part to try to reinforce this. But until we really change policies, that people have to be held, that companies 
have to be held accountable to, that's when we're going to create real change around the pay gap, right? That's when you're going to start to see real change. And that's when we can start advancing in our careers as women across the board. And I'd like to tie into what Lourdes just said. Part of that power in affecting that change begins on November 3rd with the vote. Because if you want to change policy, you got to get the people in the, in, the, in the roles who are willing to take on the tough issues. You affect policy and you affect those decision makers who in turn can affect what, what companies can and can't do. Right. And I think that's also the last point on this, because I know we we have a lot to talk about, but I think it's also we need to have these conversations, not just with leaders and industries. We need to have these conversations with our elected officials. They need Mm -hmm. to be at the table. And so you're going to see on our event on the 29th across the board, there's elected officials there, women especially who are holding this, who intimately understand how this hurts families how this holds us back. And by holding us back as women, you're holding back generations. It's not just about us. It's about our children. It's about the girls that we're raising. It's about generations after us. And how are we making things better for them so that they can raise themselves out of systemic poverty, out of generational poverty, and that they can really create a better future for all of us. Right. Of all the the things that you've discussed uh, so far, uh, two things stand out to me. Uh, One is uh, the the importance of policy making. Right. But also accountability. Um, You know, I I, am. I participate in different groups and councils and boards and, and we talk and we put out reports and, you know, in, in advice, towards a specific, you know, uh, type of policy or, 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 uh, issue that needs to be, you know, corrected or looked at, uh, but there, but without accountability is just a report, you know, is just a suggestion is just an opinion. Um, but when we actually think about, okay, we'll check on this next month and see where you're going mm-hmm. with it. Right. Um, so that's the same idea. Um, just recently, um, also, um, I was reading about um, maybe making it normalizing, talking about how much we make uh, mm-hmm. in in an effort to be transparent, but also so that the companies cannot, um, you know, deny the fact that maybe I make less m- money than my counterpart that does the same exact job, but is uh, white male, right? Um, so if we normalize those conversations, maybe companies or organizations are will be, you know, pressured into being more equitable. I mean, whatever it takes, right, to make um, this uh, uh, new norm, right, of of uh, making sure that we're all being um, paid. Yeah, equally and for for the same job, for the same experiences. And I wanted to bring this up, and I don't know where this fits into the conversation, but one of the things that came to mind as you were discussing, you know, the different um, or giving us a different examples of things that we need to do to change, you know, this um, this path that we're in. Um, I think about um, how we care for for women in our workplaces, right? And I and uh, Dr. Amy Acton came to mind, right? The fact mm-hmm. that um, she was bullied and had to sort of decided, right, for the better of herself and her family to take another role, is that you know type of work environment preventing us from getting the experience that we need mm-hmm. in order to move up, advance, and make more money, right? Um, if we do not have things in place within our own workplace that prevents that type of, you know, harassment towards women, uh, towards women in leadership position like Dr. Amy Acton, um, is that also contributing to the fact that we're making less money as women and even more as Latina women? Mm -hmm. Again, that came to mind. I don't know if you care to comment on that at all. I think that's very real. And, and you know, as, as one of the Latinas that is in a leadership position here in the state, and I must say that it's a very lonely place to be. Um, it's very difficult to, to fit in. And I think that, you know, a lot depends on personality and versatility. And something that has helped me a great deal in this job is the fact that I was an entrepreneur before doing this. 
And if you've been able to start a company off the ground and to, you know, to just make something out of nothing, then after that, I figure like almost any other challenges, piece of cake. Not that it's not going to be hard, but it just gives you the set of skills to know how to not only survive, but thrive. And but however, you know, I have seen some other uh, Latinas who are in even in corporate America, but even in public service who are in leadership positions and the, the levels of stress that these women experience is unimaginable. And I find that we need to just create better support systems and better networks. And again, I have to come back to how important it is to have an organization like Weld where every week you can virtually now connect with all kinds of different uh, events and opportunities to learn from other women that who may not be Latinas, but who are women who have experienced or are experiencing some of the same things that you are so that you're not so lonely and you start getting some of those important skills that you need to add to that toolkit in order to survive the demand of being in high level uh, leadership positions. Lena, you, um, I feel like there's so many things that you said that I felt so deeply. So I think a, a couple of things I want to, uh, a couple of threads that I want to pull out of what you said. First and foremost, I think as Latinos, as a people, speaking about money is not something we do, right? It is not something that is comfortable. It is not, if you, I'm sure if you, if you did even a survey of a group of friends and said, how many of you sat down around the table and talked about money? You, you know, my parents didn't want to talk about money. That was something super privado. Eso no se habla. You know, like for whatever reason, whether it was pride, whether it was, you know, my place as a as a young person in our family, whatever it is, that's a cultural shift that I think that we need to make overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's pride involved in that. And I think that lots of people have pride, right? Uh, around this issue of like, I know that I'm not getting paid what I should get paid, right? Or I know, or somehow my value is tied to my salary, which is equivocably false, right? And so we, to your point, I think that we need to change that conversation. Um, and there are companies who are not allowed to talk about it. That's why do we think that that policy is in place, right? That policy is in place because they don't want an uprising of people saying, wait a minute, how are you making more than I am? How did you just start? And I have this experience, right? Again, it goes back to systems, right? It's much bigger than all of us. And so I think... Um, so that's two points I wanted to make. I, I think the other thing that you had also mentioned is that I think that we as women carry around, um, you know, this imposter syndrome, right? That is ingrained in us um, that we need to continuously push against, right? Mm. I was thinking about the debate the other day and I thought to myself, um, the vice presidential debate. So um, I thought Mike Pence is walking on the stage and he has a list of talking points. Kamala Harris walks on the stage and she needs to worry about her hair. She needs to worry about her makeup. She needs to worry about her tone. She needs to worry about her facial expression. She needs to worry about um, how she's coming across because she's a woman, because she's brown. She can't be too angry. She can't be too soft. Mm-hmm. You know, she has to be, she has to hit this invisible tone with who? With some invisible layers of people whose tone is going to be at different levels. Like, the oh, and by the way, she also also has a list of points that she has to have, right? Who who thrives in that kind of an environment? If we are showing up every day and our list is already 10 times as longer as our male male counterparts, we're <laughs> we're working against ourselves, right? And so I think that we have the power to change if not so there's policy work that we need to do, but there's culture work that we need to do, right? And that culture work lives within each of us. And that sisterhood, that of, of seeing other women in the workplace and right and reaching out to them and supporting them and promoting them and advocating for them, that is something we can do tomorrow. I mean, to me, when you're talking about commitments, make that commitment. Because I, I know for a fact that, I mean, even me, there have been times where I have colluded with the system, right? To the to 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 the hurt of another woman. And so I think that that's something that we need to take a look at as well, because that's something we can absolutely change. And we have the power to do that today. Yeah, no, I mean, I think definitely women's and men are being holding completely different standards, right? And I think that, you know, to the point of Lourdes, that's something that we can start making that change today with the younger generations of kids. And something that for me, you know, I'm from Argentina, when I came to the States and 
and getting more informed about the, the education system. The one thing that really caught my attention is the civic education is not part of the education system. When you go to the elementary school, middle school, high school, there is no civic education. And without being an understanding how important it is to be civically engaged, you cannot really understand how the government process. You don't understand how important it is to have that representation that you need at the city, at the state, and at the federal level. And that was very surprising for me. Um, so actually, I, I was very lucky, lucky to be part of WELD, and I joined the, the Civic uh, Commission uh, because I wanted to empower myself as a business owner. I wanted to understand what were the different roles, what was the process that I needed to, to understand in order to make sure that I was successful with my company. But I think that that's something that also needs to be changed. And that's a conversation for all the education systems that they need to have a better understanding that in order to continue providing and, and developing leaders, we need to be able to have that conversation very, very young because that it really understands why it's so important to vote, what is so important to have someone who looks like you who have the same background perhaps is representing you when that matters. It matters at the city level when some of the legislations are being pushed, but also it's very important to have that representation in corporate America. You, we need to have someone who looks like us, they actually went through the same experience that we are, they will be helping us to make sure that we can actually be successful. Um, so I think there is a lot of change, but we can start by lower steps. Um, and I think, you know, I'm a big advocate in education. And I think that that's one of the steps that we can start making some changes. So the next generations, uh, once they get to our level, are better in power. Yeah, and I'd like to talk about that power structure. How many of you on this, in this podcast, um, were, were whose parents and family and, and friends uh, told you, you need to consider being on a public company board when you were, when you were young? Who, yeah, who not me. About that? <laughs> not me. Right? <laughs> no. So let's talk about the ultimate power structure of, of being able to influence. I always say it starts at the top. It begins with the top. And having people of color, having Latinas, having African-American women, having them in the boardroom to, to be able to be the voice of influence, to mm -hmm. raise these issues that we're talking about, to be able to vote on these issues, to hold the CEO and the management team accountable to address pay disparity. Number one, to at least get the data. Some companies don't even have their data. It begins with getting a seat at that table. And to your point, Natasha, these are the conversations to be having with our girls and with our children. And it's, it's also incumbent upon us to strive for those positions for ourselves and to believe that, that we have the capability to do that. And to not be afraid to recommend somebody's name and say, you know what, I think you need to put Lily on this board. I think you need to put Natasha on this board. How come you don't have Lores on this board, right? To be able to put another woman's name forward. It may not be your own, get over it, but get somebody else on that board. And that's the best way to model, Barb, uh, to, to um you know, nominate somebody other than yourself or to model that, you know, speaking uh, and elevating other women. Um, I feel like in the past um, maybe three, four years, I've noticed the power of doing that uh, when people have done it to me and I immediately do it, you know, to, to either to the person that elevated me or to other women Um, and I, and I see power on that, uh, on doing, you know, sponsoring other women and, um, and nominating them for, for roles or for, you know, board, uh, positions and things like that. Um, there is a lot of value and there is a lot of power that we have to do, to, to do that to, um, to other women. Uh, so we know that El Futuro is Latina, and this is not just a slogan or a catchy Phrase, although I want that on a T-shirt because I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> we are in indeed in all sectors, although we might have lower representation in certain professional spaces. There is a growing number of Latinas achieving higher degrees, master's, PhDs, and we have many entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the work of making sure that we feel supported to achieve newer heights. Well, I think a little bit of the conversation we've been having just now um, touches on some of those points. 
And I would say that the areas of focus for us right now has to be uh, mentoring opportunities and to make sure that we are able to coach and mentor uh, ourselves and future generations. And we have to expand our networks to realize that although we love familia and, and we want to hang out with our Latina sisters, there's a bigger world out there and we need that experience. And so my challenge to all of us here and to you who are listening is that you must expand your network. The value of your network is so tremendous and it's going to provide you the opportunity for us to build up to that level where we need to be to be competitive. So in order for that future to be Latina, we need to begin by knowing and learning how to expand our networks and exposing ourselves to um, educational opportunities and making sure that we seek out quality uh, mentors and advisors that can help us build that particular plan that is going to work for each one of us. That networking is so key. It's not an either or thing. It's a both and. It's the networking in your community and it's the networking outside your community. That is the one too powerful punch, being able to do both of that. Because here's the thing. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. Because when the decisions Mm -hmm. are being made, you're not even in the room, right? So if, if no one in that room can, be, can speak your name, then you're not even going to be part of the equation. So expanding that network, both in your community and outside your community, have a diverse network, have a deep network. That's one of the key ingredients to success. Absolutely. I think, you know, for my experience, just having those mentors along the way has been extremely critical, right? And to Bark Point, you want those mentors eventually and organically to become your sponsors because they're the voice that are going to be in those critical moments speaking on your behalf. And I think we have to do also a better job to really search out outside our local circle. And there are so mm-hmm. many different organizations at the national level that are mm-hmm. eager to support Latinas and Latinos and females in professionals. So we have to really speak out, join those organizations. Many of those are free organizations, free memberships. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just tremendous the level of knowledge and support that you can get. You know, we have Lourdes here leading with a Latina Mentoring Academy. There have been... Mm The organization has been around for many years and I have been very lucky to be part and be a mentor. And I'm still very much in contact with my mentee, even though this was maybe like seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she's seen the impact that the Latina Mentor Academy is making at the local level. It's tremendous. And And I think that this is a program that absolutely should be replicated at the national level. Same with BART, with WELL. WELL is just extremely supportive when it comes to women across different ethnicity colors, and level of experience. And I really applaud for to Barb how much he worked in taking the local chapter and really expanding at the national level and the work is being done. Uh, we need to have more organizations and more women that are fearless in speaking mm-hmm. and supporting other women. And that's extremely important. She's mentoring, networking is absolutely a top priority for us women. The only thing that I would add is I think that we need to start investing in our girls early on and we need to, um, and this is something that we talk about at LMA is that, you know, we carry with us um, all of the messages and the trauma and the pain and the joy and the love that our parents and our culture have given us right? And for some of us, especially if you're a first-generation American or if you're an immigrant or a refugee, you are unworking lots of truths and understanding what those truths are for you when you have your feet firmly planted in two different cultures. And so I think that we need to let our girls know that we see them, that we love them, that we need, that we support them, that they can't achieve, that we need to invest in them. Um, I think, you know, what, what I find remarkable about LMA is that um, we do nothing magical except give our uh, participants a platform in which that they can grow and succeed themselves, right? Many times it's just about having the supportive network, the thing that we're all talking about, right? It's about understanding that you have power within yourself to achieve. It's undoing all those things and all those messages, negative messages that you heard and that there's nothing that is stopping you from your own potential except for you in many cases, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously there are things in, there are things that we're battling because we're women, because we're brown, but there's also things that we can achieve 
in uh, in still honoring that, right? And so I think um, investing in our girls and continuing that investment all the way through, because we find these programs all the time where they're professional development programs, but they're male heavy, they're white people heavy, right? They're not always speaking to people who look like us. And so how do we continue to cultivate organizations and other, um, even if it's a grassroots thing? I mean, we have a group of Latinas that every time there's a 40 under 40, we're like, who are we gonna nominate? You know, women of achievement, who's up next? Yeah. Who's gonna nominate? You know, if there is, and it's sometimes, and the other thing too is that what a lot of folks don't understand is that these achievements, it's not just honoring the work that you've done. A lot of it is also about being strategic about putting, taking you to the next level. To Barb's point, it's about people understanding who you are. 40 under 40 is not, it, it, it's putting you on the map, right? So people start to understand who you are. It's like, it's like a seal of approval, right? And so like, let's get more of us on that list and ask people. You can, it's okay to ask people to say, Lily, will you nominate me for this? Because I need this. Because Absolutely. that's the other thing is that we don't want to do that. We think we we want someone to see our specialness and say, you, let me <laughs> let me choose you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're busy. <laughs> right? So raise your hand and say, me, me, I'm special. <laughs> me for this thing. And that that's okay. We need to do more of that. Active promotion of each other is what we need to do each and every day. And Lourdes, I'd just like to follow that real quickly with the, the issue of self-worth right? You have to believe that you're worth it. Live with, live expecting it. Put that board bio together, knowing that you are qualified to be on a board. Believe that you are and make it so. Because a couple of people on this call can tell you when you get that call, it's like, can you send it to me now? Right? <laughs> I need that board bio now. Mm -hmm. Live with the expectation and be ready. Claim it. And Claim it all the way through. Claim it all the all way, way through. through. Don't don't show up like thank you so much. <laughs> yes. Thank you for choosing me. Show up. Get the head seat. I was supposed to be here. What took so long? Yeah. That's how exactly. you need to show up when you arrive. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, but there is there's something that came to mind as you were talking about, um, you know, asking be being nominated or, uh, you know, holding certain positions, getting certain awards or recognition. And I think, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, a recognition of the work that we do and th that is that we hold dear to our, ourselves and our profession and we work hard for. But it's also, at least in my case, the times that I've been, um, you know, that I've received awards at the university um, last year in particular. And I just want to share this briefly because um, it meant a lot, obviously to, to be recognized for the work that I, that I've been doing for years and, and that I, and that I love to do so much. But when we had the ceremony, all of my guests were my students, my Latina students, because I want them to see the few Latina professors uh, being recognized, you know, for the work that they do, because I want them to see that for themselves in the future, or in the near future, or in 10 years, or in 20, whenever, but that that's going to be them as well, right? Um, so there is that too, not only for yourself, but what message are we sending to, you know, Lourdes and I have girls, uh, to our girls, like, can they see that? Will they see that? Um, and is that normal now that, oh, you know, this is a Latina having an award or a woman, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that that can be me in the future. And so there's, there's that. They gotta see us to be us. They gotta see us to be us. Absolutely. So I think we've we've uh, been talking about ways and we can, you know, how we can be bring, be an advocate and bring awareness for for pay equity. And I wanted to to know um, if you can share some of the practical ways that we can that we can do or practical things that we can do to move forward 
and achieving pay equity in our communities. And I want to share just one example of this um, because awareness is necessary. Um, so just uh, two weeks ago in my class, we were talking about, you know, salaries and, and part of our lecture that, that, that week uh, talking about minimum salary and pay equity. And so I, um, I chose a group to talk to um, be informed about Latina equal pay. And this is all Latino students, you know, Latina students, none of them knew about this. They were surprised, you know, and, and the conversation and the discussions that they had were very refreshing. But um, the fact that, you know, this is undergraduate students and most of them were freshmen, uh, but we need to get that information out, uh, just like Natasha said about civic education as early as we can, you know, our, our Latina girls and women need to know as soon as possible so mm-hmm. that there can they can be that change, right? That we can normalize demanding or asking for equitable pay um, and giving them that language to do so. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if you can share other ideas that we can, that how we can do this move, you know, towards achieving pay equity uh, for our community. You know, there are a lot of, things that could do from the very practical to the, the high, highly theoretical, but just some highly practical things. Uh, showing the next generation how to research uh, pay salary and where the key sources of pay data they can get online. What are the more reputable ones? How to do market rate comparisons so that when they have that job interview, they go in and equip with those skills. Uh, doing mock interviews with them, mock negotiation interviews when it comes to negotiation of salary how they should respond, how they should act. The total compensation package, you know, knowing to ask for, does this job come with stock options? What are the perks that come with the job? The long-term incentives, you know, talking with them about the brass tax of it. So, you know, it's really both the, the practical aspects, but it's also some of the, the, the more theoretical aspects around, you know, this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You deserve to be paid what everybody else is being paid. This yeah. is good for business for a company to, to pay people equitably. Mm-hmm. So it, it's both of those. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we're talking now, and, and Elena, you mentioned about talking to your Latina students, I think it's also very important to engage the male counterpart because they're also are can be part of the change and the transformation. And perhaps oftentimes they don't know what they don't know. So it's important mm-hmm. to educate and, and show them, you know, most of the C-suite executive and CEO company who are male, they're most likely are father to a daughter. They're mm-hmm. most likely married to a working woman. And for them just to bring awareness of that disparity that we have in, in the pay gap, I think that's very important as well. So I think something that we need to do as well is to make sure that we also are engaging males as part of the conversation and making sure that they can also be part of the change and how they can really make that significant impact in leading the change with our support and with our experience along the way. And I think for us women, what we can do is every time we see a community leader or someone running for a, for a specific position, just support them, especially if they're representing us as women or women of color, making sure that we are participating, that we are engaging, we amplifying their voice, what they're trying to make as, as a change. I think that, you know, like Barb mentioned also, there are so many different organizations that are providing resources for women. You can get access to workshops for free. The mm-hmm. SBA is one of them. SCORE is, is also programmed, you know, Lily Office uh, with the Ohio Hispanic uh, Coalition. There are so many different resources that are available for free that will help us to better understand, better negotiate our salary package, our healthcare package, but also understand how to really navigate that ladder in corporate America. So I think we need to do both our part in figure out what are the resources available, but also bring more of an open conversations with every single member in the community and also in the workplace. Yeah, think about how we raise our sons too. My mm-hmm. two boys know that if I ever find out that they're not doing a woman right, they're out of my will. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How we raise our sons, you know, this mm-hmm. is not just like a woman's problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. if it's a woman's problem, it's a worldwide problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we all need to own it. 
Right. We yep. need allies for sure. We yep. need allies in this in this uh, work. Uh, tell me about the Latina Equal Pay event hosted by Weld. I would really? say Barb. Um, you know, this was so exciting because Barb reached out to to me and to a group of us earlier on, and she said, "You know, we've been talking about this, but I want to really begin making a difference, and we want to create some long term commitment." and And she was just so extremely passionate about this topic, and she said to me, "Nothing is going to go well in Ohio until all women in our state have the right to be paid equally as men do." And so she basically challenged us and said, you know, let's bring a a group of uh, women leaders together and let's brainstorm and let's put together a day that is going to make a tremendous and huge difference in women's lives. But we're not just going to stay in Ohio. We're going across the country, across the globe. This is going to be a virtual event where every woman, regardless of where she happens to be, what her heritage is, is welcome to be with us. So I, I am just so grateful for the challenge that Barb presented to us and Extremely grateful to the team that is working with us. We have just a couple of us here today, but there's a big team of amazing women that have been supporting us through this effort. And and then nationally, you know, many of the speakers that we will have are are amazing, amazing uh, women that are doing major strides across the country. So I'm just, I could not be more proud. And of course, either Lourdes or uh, Barb can give you more details about the different sessions. I don't want to steal all the thunder, but I'm just so excited about what we have started here. Lourdes, you want to cheer your session, give them a little teaser? Sure. Um, so one of the approaches that we wanted to take for Latina Equal Pay Day, um, there's three sessions throughout the day that folks can participate in. You're welcome to come to all of them. It's free, which is amazing. Um, uh, uh, it's priceless information for the low cost of zero. So um, just the investment of your time. Uh, so folks can uh, participate early in the morning. There's one midday and then there's one like uh, early mid-afternoon. Um, so the first, the day kicks off in um, one thing that we know to be true, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the call, is that um, when we think about Latinas, we are we are holding down the front line of this work. We are rooted in the farm workers movement, um, which really helped to bring uh, this idea of equal pay to the forefront. And so we are really paying homage to that and honoring where we where our roots really came from. And so the first session is going to really talk about uh, where this movement kind of started, how it started, and how the movement has developed. We have an amazing lineup of um, speakers where a lot of their work has been rooted in um, the farm workers movement or working with women who have been working on the front lines, who have been kind mm-hmm. of essential workers. Um, so we're excited to start rooted in our past. And then each session from there will kind of take us to a new piece of where we are um, currently. And then each piece will have a kind of an action item, like what can you do today? What are you committing to doing? Um, And then each session will also start with an inspirational speaker that will kind of root us in the, get us, get our, um, our hearts and our spirits in the right place to have these tough, but um, essential conversations for how do we move the needle forward. And Barb, tell us about the other uh, couple of sessions, please. So um, Lourdes did a great job talking about all three sessions and setting the the tone for the day and what our hopes and aspirations are. Um, That we have a middle session that's called the Latina Power Lunch. You know, we have to be comfortable using words like power and not be afraid to use those words. So that session is going to talk about what we need to do for the, the, the generation coming up behind us to ensure their success. All of this is for not if the next generation doesn't start off in a better position than what we did, right? And then the last session caps off that Lily is, is, is chairing is around soaring to new heights. Um, Latinas are in the boardroom, but just a fraction. What's it going to take to get Latinas in the boardroom? Latinas are in the C-suite, but just a fraction. They are underrepresented in both of those areas. And we can't lose sight of that progression. So for many individuals who are on the call, they're going to hear a body of knowledge that they may not have been exposed to before. And we want people after they get off of that call to walk away with, here are the things that we can do to make a difference here. 
And we're going to capture those. There's going to be a survey that goes out that captures those. We know people get really excited after an event. They're ready and raring to go. 90 days after the event, we're going to feed it back out to everybody and say, okay, here's what you all said that you were going to do. How's it going? Right? Here's a gentle reminder. How's it going? I like the accountability piece. I love it. (laughs) Conversation is not enough if it doesn't affect behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's what our goal is, to affect behavior and produce results. I'm excited. What do people need mm-hmm. to know um, or to do to register for this event? Where do we go? Where do we find this information? So you can go to Weld's website. That's WELDUSA.org and go to the event section and they can see the event there. It's a free event. And here's the thing about this. Don't keep it a secret. Tell everybody that you know. Tell everybody that you know. Mm -hmm. Great. There's also other organizations. They can also visit Athena Mentoring Academy. We have it up as well. If folks are familiar, they follow us on social media. Um, What's most important is that people do need to register for the event, and that's how Mm -hmm. they'll get the information. So um, please, please, please be sure to register. Great. Uh, Mujeres, is there anything else you would like to add to this conversation? Uh, I really have enjoyed um, listening to you all and learning and, and, and I feel empowered. Mm-hmm. Me siento como jefa ya, no, ya mismo, la jefa. Ya era jefa, Using ya era jefa. <laughs> yeah. Using those words. I like what Barb said, being comfortable with using the, that language, right? Um, empowered, uh, power, mm-hmm. um, uplifting and, and, and feeling comfortable, you know, being where we, we need to be like, we belong, uh, like Lourdes said, mm-hmm. you know, own it. <laughs> um, is there anything else you would like to add, uh, to, yes. to this? this call would not be complete without acknowledge, acknowledging you in particular for the work that you do mm-hmm. and pulling us together. Um, your work does not go unnoticed. Uh, you are in the place where we need you to be with the next generation, uh, protecting them, cultivating them to carry the work forward. So for all the hard work that you do, the sacrifice that we know that you make, we are grateful for it. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank yes, you so indeed. much. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. Gracias, gracias por esta conversación. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.